Hello, welcome to another late night latte on Latte Firm. Arsenal rampant at the Emirates Stadium last night, beating Everton by four goals to nil. We are now five points clear at the top of the Premier League with even number of games being played and only 13 to go. Lots to talk about. What a performance. The goals, the golazzos, the fluid football, um, the match atmosphere, what it means for Arsenal. And I've got one heck of a panel for you guys. So, ladies and gents, welcome to the Late Night Latte. Sorry for being late as well. Uh, let's get through some of the chat as we normally do. I Debito, first up in the house, had a wonderful week and it's about to get even better now. Love to everyone here. What a lovely message, I Debito, and I hope you and your family are well. V Vlad, evening lads, hope everyone's well. What a magnificent win and atmosphere yesterday. I hate Everton, Daesh, Godfrey so much and I really hope they go down. Come on you gunners. Well, they were absolutely gunned down yesterday. Lou Weed, Everton did well to get nil. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that. Freddie Preston, who was first on the post-match phone-in last night on Twitter. Thanks to five and a half thousand of you uh, dialing into that and listening to that. Uh, really appreciate the support. Freddie says, evening, guys. Really enjoyed the win in the Twitter space last night. Here we go. Uh, Cameron, Cameron says, evening, guys. Uncle Doris. Evening all, what a game. It started a bit chaotic while Everton parked the bus with a plum, but totally turned around in the second half when Arsenal became the equivalent of the Harlem Globetrotters. One of my panellists described yesterday's second half as potentially the best second half he's ever seen from Arsenal. So I want to hear all about that as well. Oisin in the house, here we fucking go, guys. Uh, Cameron also saying, are we doing another late night latte before Bournemouth? Ooh, there's an idea. Why not? We might do something tomorrow night. Uh, Christoph Michel, good afternoon and good evening to everyone assembled. Another three points squared away. Let's keep the momentum rolling versus Bournemouth. Uh, lots more evening chats. Richie Dubfeller as well. Tezzy Mai, nice to see you back in. And uh, Emil Smith & Co. I love Emil Smith & Co. We're going to talk about Emil Smith Rowe. And now you're going to believe us. Absolutely. Right. Let's bring in the panellists. First up, needs no introduction. It is, of course, Yembele Usman. Welcome to the show. How are you? How can you not be anything but, but uh, you know, joyous? Not only did we win, but uh, a certain little team from down the road. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. We will save your laughter. Save your laughter. We will do it <laughs> right. and We will do it appropriately in this show later on. Uh, Yembele, welcome. Thank you for, for turning up. It was a glorious night last night, Yem. And the post-match meals are always so much more... Um, stupendous and endorphin producing uh absolutely sensational right let's bring in our next panelist he is at arsenal was was welcome to the latte firm how are you i'm fucking buzzing boys absolutely brilliant <laughs> still honestly still on cloud nine after last night i know you evening. are and you went for a for a curry tonight is that right i saw the pictures Mate, on on the old whatsapp honest, honestly world-class gaff raja tandoori nebworth high street sensational the boys in there are legends the food just Oh, mate, beautiful. Absolutely stunning. So, yeah, enjoyed that a lot. Good. Well, if they're on Twitter, let's all give them a shout out later on tonight. Uh, I love that. You're getting a lot of love, guys. Everyone in the chat saying good evening, Gooners. Absolutely. Good evening to all of you guys. Tony Rosanda's in the house as well. Evening, FK and the Latte fam. Uh, let's bring in our final panelist. It is, of course, Mr. Joe. Joe, welcome back. How are you? Not bad, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I hope. Joe, you are going to redeem yourself and ourselves <laughs> with Snack Check tonight. Uh, before anybody uh, wonders what, what the hell we're about to do, for anybody tuning in for the first time, um, on this channel, I like to eat. You know, I've, I've had a, a full roast chicken dinner sandwich uh, on, on live on air. I've had burgers. I've had sweets and, and nuts and crisps and all sorts. And Snack Check quickly became a thing. And 
in the last show, we had some protein yogurt and a Nature Valley chocolate no, bar that my wife eats. And... Call it what it was. It was a travesty. <laughs> I'm away for one show, and it all falls apart. Should what we talk about the snack check the week before when you were on the show? Yeah, but should we talk about that one? Hey, excuse me. I didn't get a chance because I hadn't gone to the supermarket. That's a different state. You oh, deliberately bought. Full of excuses, mate. Oh, jeez. You brought that. Okay. That, well, that well, let, well, let's see. Let's see what we can do in terms of, of redemption. Uh, right. Yembele, snack check, please. What you got? I have bought an Arsenal Limited <laughs> Cadbury milk. And it's a big one as well. This is going to get me through today at least. Uh, is no. it a fruit and nut or is it just a plain plain just milk a chocolate? Plain one, but it's got this. That's all it's got that. That's all that matters right now. Champions you, edition. <laughs> exactly. Gold wrapper. I like that, mate. It I should like be that. gold because well, it's the only with the only team who has a gold trophy. It should be all gold right now. <laughs> enjoy, mate. Chow down on that. Chow down. What about you, Joseph? What have you got for snack check tonight? So, like I said to you beforehand, I listened to the feedback. I took it on board. I've come back stronger. And I have bought the ultimate snack, Cadbury's mini eggs. Okay, that anyone, I give you. That they if are anyone elite. comes at me about mini eggs, then they need to go no, no, and have a broad themselves. They, they, they are elite. You do not get better than a Cadbury mini egg. Do you know I have what I to also be honest. Like? I know I look like an egg, but I'm not a fan. I'm not <laughs> oh, a fan of this, Cadbury's oh, mini eggs. God. I'm not. Oh, no. It's honestly travesty. Was. Was. Hold on. Line. Let's just get was your opinion. Oh, was what have you got? Because I know you've just had a full fat curry. Um, what you got? I've had a full fat curry. But I do. By the way, I do love mini eggs. I'm a big fan of them. And Thank God. They're, they're, Thank I mean, obviously they're 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 meant for Easter, but they're the kind of thing you should be able to eat all year all round. Year round. They are, I do like them. Absolutely. I've, um, as you say, after that, I mean, I've got some. To be fair, they're quite porno. M and S shortbread Ooh, yeah. fingers. Oh um, mate, yeah, that's a. Tough, I've, I've have, owned, you got, have you got know, a little cup of tea next to it, or just just mate, on their own? I, I've just yeah, just on their own, a bit of water after that curry. I honest, I don't even know if I can get one down me, but I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> just for the show, well, you know. I've I've gone for something savoury tonight. I've gone for some um, oak smoked cheese with some uh, Jacob's crackers because that's what I think uh, I deserve to have. And I've got a bottle of. Uh, Bottle of Jorginho uh, that I'm going to crack into uh, in about two minutes' <laughs> honestly, time. So, oh god, mate! Honestly, the oak smoked cheese is unbelievable. Oak Tesco do it, cheese. and some Jacobs crackers. I've got, mate. I've got no cannot... words. I've got no words. I've mate. honestly got no. Hold on, this is a man that literally oh. inhaled. Oh, for God's sake! Can't eat him properly oh, either. It's literally just like a barbarian. <laughs> Sensation, like honestly. Barbarian. Mm. Sensation. Bravo, Jacobs. I'm. Um, with a full mouth as well. Have you no manners, sir? Lots to get through. Uh, let's get through some of the comments. Loads of people having their own snacks tonight. M. Ra says, I've got some Reese's. Um, Bailey Wilson, I've got a bag of mini eggs. Don't eat them, Bailey. Don't eat them. Uh, Adil Ahmed says, Jaffa cake biscuits for me tonight. I'm sure they're biscuits anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Tezzy Mai uh, says, Yem wins. Yem wins. Uh, Captain Crimbo, still with Woz on the Cherry Coke. Go take notes. Take notes. That ain't no snack, he says. Um, yeah, look... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cadbury mini eggs are not like the big eggs. Uh, Cameron says mini eggs are elite. Uh, Christoph says FK the Cadbury heretic. Heretic? What does that mean? Yem, help me out here. Heretic. Mean? It means you, you know, like the evil person. You know, like you're the evil person in this one. Oh man, I blew it as well because Bailey called me sophisticated, and obviously I've, <laughs> I've messed up my English there. And a bottle of Jorginho, absolutely. The old, uh, the old Jorginho. Apple and raspberry, might I add. It is the most elite flavour. Right, chaps. Um, we obviously had our game in hand uh, last night at the Emirates. What a wonderful, wonderful night out. All four of us were there. Cracking atmosphere. Um, 
going into the game, Joe, this was about taking the opportunity that we had in front of us to, you know, to, to really move five points clear of City, build that gap, shut everyone up and just go level on games and move clear. Um, were you optimistic going into the last night's game? There was a part of me that was optimistic because of just how we well we've played this season and everything we've been doing. But there's another part of me that thinks, shit, like pressure's on here. And so, so many years, like recently, we've just, pressure's gone on and we've crumbled. This team's very different, but I'm still left with a lot of PTSD from years gone by of teams bottling in these games. And then I thought back to the Brentford game as well. That was because Everton, they would have no intention of coming to the Emirates and trying to get anything out of that game. It was literally, they was going to come, park the bus and hope for the best. And that always fills me with a little bit of dread when teams do that, because sometimes we do look a bit devoid of ideas into certain elements of games. Like Brentford was a good example where they kind of shut us out and we didn't really look like scoring. So there's always that element to it. But I was quietly confident, but also, yeah, a bit just because the game meant so much, just filled with a little bit of uh, nervous energy as well. I've got to say that I, I I kind of disagree with you and that I thought I was confident. You know, I, I know we had the upset at Goodison Park where it was almost the perfect storm, Sean Dyche's first game. I knew Everton were going to come and park the bus and go maybe sort of, you know, four, five, or just five, five. It was, it was pretty, it was just two, two, two sort of rows of, um, of, of blue. Um, but I thought if, if we got the breakthrough, we'd win and we'd win comfortably. So I'm really pleased with that. Was just as I bring up the slides on screen, the um, starting lineup was obviously <laughs> announced an hour before kickoff as per normal. Um, there you can see courtesy of Arsenal.com, Jorginho uh, playing an unchanged team from the team that beat Leicester. Uh, what did you think? As you said there, mate, I, I, I felt confident. It, it sounds mad, but it's been a long, long time that I've actually looked at a side and felt you know, we, we, we're good here. We're really good here and I'm really confident, really happy. See the team come out. We're getting the depth back. We saw the bench and you just think, now, if it, start, you know, if it don't go right, you, we can change this. And um, and it obviously was going right and we changed it and it went even righter. I know shit English, but it's, that is what happened, <laughs> essentially, you know. And, oh, yeah, I, do, I, I just see the team now and you see in the... We haven't actually had the opportunity throughout the season to see the squad. Because although no one wants to let you believe it, we have had a lot of key players out. We've had a really thin squad through injuries, through players being out long term. They've been forgot about almost um, by every other club in, on the planet, seemingly, and every pundit out there. But now you're seeing them come back into the fold and you're seeing top, top quality players on that bench ready to make a difference at both ends of the pitch. It's exciting time. So, so I, I did think, it was going to be difficult. They were going to pack behind the ball and we were going to have to work hard for that breakthrough. But I was never, I didn't feel concerned. I thought regardless of what happens, even if you have to wait till 70 and it's three subs come on, I thought in the end we'd break them down. So I was confident, mate. Yeah. And I was, I was happy, you know. Was mentions the uh, subs bench there, Yembele. Um, Matty Turner, reserve goalkeeper, of course. Kieran Tierney, who did get some minutes finally. Takahiro Tomiyasu, Rob Holding with his amazing hair. He's wearing a hair clip these days. How inspiring is that? Uh, Yaku Kivior, new signing yet to play. Tommy Party back in the team and what a second half he had. We'll talk about him later. Fabio Vieira, Emil Smith-Rowe coming back and making his first appearance in a few months. And of course, Eddie Nketiah. Yembele, when you look at that subs bench, all of a sudden, at the business end of the season... We look like we have options, finally. Yeah, and 
for once it's actually come at the right time typically with arsenal we are more debilitated towards the end of the season rather than stronger it's actually like joe said when when he started talking it's a weird feeling um you know almost ptsd like where we are you know where we don't have a strong enough bench and now all of a sudden our benches our team's actually getting stronger because let's not forget we've got gabriel jesus coming back and that bench is going to get even more stronger so it's it's a rare thing to have for this part of the season that we've got such a strong bench and options it's not just packing it out with you know youngsters um and defensive players i know for a part of the season we've had to have that but to have true a true mix of quality and depth is is something very rare and it's obviously something that we're building on um you know in this squad building process that we're going through so that it's great you know I, i'm so happy that we've got to this point now the key thing is obviously we've got to keep everyone fit you know we already know that the fixtures coming up are very tough we've still got to go to a way to a lot of rivals april looks very very tough so it's good so the medical department are really going to have to be on it now in terms of keeping players fit and obviously we'll talk about it you know the rotations as well so pleasing but you know you know having them back for a week for example is not going to mean anything we've got to keep them fresh and rotated for a long term because it's the the schedule is about to get very intense as uh, many people are saying in the chat i mean thomas party's performance was top class and i know was is going to elaborate on that slightly later um V Vlad saying in the chat that must have been our strongest bench in a long time. Look, I've done these shows now all throughout the season, and I can remember games where we had young Ethan Owenary, we've had Crozier Dubry, we've had so many youngsters on the on the bench at, at times that all of a sudden we've got a mature looking bench full of players that can make a difference in all sorts of positions, and it's just really, really good to see. And of course, in the running now, we have just entered March. Um, it's crunch time and it's great to see. Of course, Arsenal did win by four goals to nil, so lots to talk about. Let's move through the slides into the first one, which is going to be match stats and key moments. So courtesy of Premier League.com, I love that. A really big header there, four goals to nil. Bukayo Saka, Martinelli with two and Erdegaard, Captain Erdegaard scoring um, for his first in a few games. Was, in terms of match stats, uh, obviously we beat Everton by four goals to nil. Expected goals, which I know you're not a big fan of, but 3.6 to 1.9. Uh, Neil Morpé did miss a couple of couple of uh, good chances for them. But we had 15 shots on goal compared to Everton's eight. Five shots on target apiece. Absolutely bossed possession. And you can see that further illustrated on the attacking threat chart or the field tilt chart on the right-hand side, courtesy of Cannon Scats. I mean, look at the little blue triangle, but it's all red. And massively so. It is. It was as comprehensive a victory was as we've seen this season. Yeah, sensational, mate. And I'd say the, the second half performance was a comprehensive as we've seen in years, years and years and years. So it's absolutely incredible to see. And and it, it, ironically, statistically, when you say they have five shots on target each, I mean, I've I could watch that game a hundred times again, and I'd never guess that. And I, obviously, I know Ramsdale made a couple of saves, but. We were so dominant. We were just so dominant, so good in everything we'd done. And, I mean, you got players out like William Saliba, again, 98 passes completed. Just, uh, it's just unbelievable from a young lad like that. And all through, if you look statistically, all through the team, play, you know, people are doing big things out there. I mean, Thomas Party's second half, I know we'll elaborate on him, but my God, like, just... And ultimately, all the stats, but if you actually sat there and we were all lucky enough to be there, you could just see the, the, the complete dominance, the complete control, the complete confidence. Then they just knew where to be. They knew what to do. They didn't panic. 
and we'll talk about the first goal, but the, the way we manufactured it in the end and broken down was just sensational. It was just so, so pleasant to see. And then at half-time, he made the change and we just went another level. And genuinely, I sat there in that stadium, well, stood there in that second half in that stadium, watching it, thinking, this is it. This is genuinely unbelievable. The, of, of the three best teams I've ever seen at the Emirates for me were Pep's Barca, Pep's Bayern and Pep's Man City. They're the three best sides I've seen come. They press in packs, they hunt, they're unbelievable on the ball, they manipulate you into areas you don't want to be. And we were replicating that. We were that level in that second half. Genuinely, we would have beat any team in the league. We would have beat City on that 45-minute display, you know, all down the, the last sort of 10 years. I don't think there are many teams that could have handled us. So, yes, Everton are not great, but the way we just are, it's just sensational. So, yeah, statistically... It's ironic that some of them stats are quite close because it was one of the most one-sided halves of football, especially the second half I've, I think I've ever witnessed at the Emirates. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. I think the second half was incredible. I mean, Thomas Party coming on just... just I mean, you know, let's rave about Thomas Party now, Was I mean, sticking with you and Joe, I'll come to you about sort of uh, our defenders because I think defensively as a team, we're phenomenal. But, but Was, I mean, Jorginho starts the game. First 20 minutes, half an hour, it looked... A little bit more tense than I thought it would be. And of course, we scored the first goal and very quickly scored a second goal. And we'll talk about the goals on the next slide. It was important to go in at half time in the lead, I felt, in such a game. Because I thought as the game went on, Everton with their time wasting antics, Onana went down three times with a head injury in the first 10 minutes. Jordan Pickford was was wasting time with his spot kicks, as you'd always expect. Jorginho was in the center of the park, and I'm not saying that we were, you know, we, we started sluggishly because of him, but when Thomas Party came on. It was, as Idubito says, Harlem Globetrotters. It's probably the most complete half of football maybe we've seen under Mikel. Uh, and, and what impact do you think Party had? I alluded to it before on here that I personally see Thomas Party as influential as Patrick Vieira was. And and this is not saying ability-wise, like I said last time, but his influence on the team, his influence on the squad. When he's on it, there ain't a better player in this Premier League, and I'm telling you now. And if Arsenal do go on to win the title, we will not win it, but he should win PFA Player of the Year because he is just unbelievable. And when you see, when you get the opportunity to watch a game, 45 minutes of Jorginho and 45 minutes of Thomas Party, it doesn't show that Jorginho's bad. It just shows how bloody good this geezer is. Everything he does is calm, composed, He's so strong and aggressive, but not physical. It's, it's so weird. He's just, everything he does is so cultured and, and incredible. He can, he's playing through balls, just dink through balls. Over, he's got he's got a right foot, like a pitching wedge. I, I don't understand. But then if he wants to hammer it, he can just change and he gets a driver out. Do you know what I mean? And pings it. He, he has got every single club in the bag. He can, off the ball, he's incredible. He just the way he just screens the game. He just he just moves across, calmly wins the tackle, and you just think, oh my god! Like the, watching him last night genuinely was an absolute privilege. And it's not often you players in that position. You know, sometimes they go unsung, like Gilberto Silva, the Invisible Wall for all them years. You see players like they're getting a bit more credit now because maybe the games are a bit more stretched and you know their role becomes a bit more obvious, but. Thomas Party is the best of the lot. And I, I, I don't care what anyone says. He, he is genuinely anyone who's had the privilege of watching him this season. And a lot of other fans, they're not, they're not too aware of how good and how important he is. But when you get to see their 45 and 45, and we weren't bad in the first half. We weren't bad at all. 
that injection that he brings into the side and it's just the confidence and the freedom that it gives everyone else. Granit Xhaka starts doing things quicker. Uh, Erdegaard's more involved. Everyone's there. The centre-backs, you know, it's just all moving. Everything just seems to go up a level. And that influence, he's not a shouter. He's not, you know, he's not going to be running around, grabbing people around the neck, lifting people up. Everything he does is all, like I said, measured. It's all in the brain. And as ironically, the older he gets, the better he's getting. And and I just think this guy, for the next three years, he could be huge for Arsenal. And we're talking going on to the Champions League, competing in the late knockouts. He's as good as anyone out there on the pla- in the planet at the moment in his position. And genuinely, you could say he's got to be, on performance-wise, one of the top five on the, in the world in any position at the moment. He's that good. And as I say, it was just a genuine pleasure to watch him. He's just so, so good. And pretty, please, 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 please stay fit. Go to the Etihad with Thomas Partey. And I'm telling you now, we're cooking. I, you say, please, please, please stay fit. I mean, it was so important for him to come back this time round with a with a short absence from the team because, you know, yeah. we were all worried, you know, away at Villa Park, not in the team, didn't travel, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Leicester City played a little bit last night, plays a half. I mean, it's fantastic management from, from Mikel. Mate, maybe best, maybe best thing building is, him up for look, a full time. Go on. Yeah, best thing is where he's been out previously, when he's come back, he's took a little while to integrate and get fit again. And he's always looked like a player that's sort of maybe carrying a knock or, or getting his way through games. Now he just looks like just pure smooth. He's just so, so perfect, that guy. And he, he's been out and he's he's come back in and just gone... This is my team. This is my midfield. Come on, boys. You get round me and we're going on the way to the title. And that's that's what it feels to me like. He is carrying the momentum. He's, he does it silently. You know, Erdegaard's an unbelievable lead, lead, uh, leader. Xhaka, you've got a lot of players on that pitch. But that guy with on the, on the ball and off the ball, he's the one who grabs everyone by the scruff of the neck in a silent way and says, come with me, boys, and we'll be all right. Yeah, he does indeed. Henkeho in the chat saying party's just on another level. He can do that lone DM like only people can dream of. Raybeam saying Casemiro is the media darling, but party is like a silent machine in there. Unleash him on City, says Petrim 1902. Um, and uh, Uncle Doris saying, sure, if party can stay fit, we just don't know. Absolutely. Hopefully he can stay fit. Can't wait to see that. Um, Joe, coming back to you, Terence Tibbs in the chat says, Gabriel was fantastic at the back. Last time out on the late night latte, we did praise Gabriel, but defensively as a unit we are defending really well and when you look at that again the field tilt chart I don't know the mechanics behind it but it's all red apart from that tiny little triangle we are so good at suffocating our opponents and we are so good at defending as a team like when the ball goes anywhere near our centre-backs or even full-backs like I just sit in the crowd I'm like yep warm up that up we'll deal with it what is it that gives you that confidence Joe is it just a better calibre of players is it coaching is it like, why do you think we're just so much more improved than last season and the year before? I think it's all the things you've just said, mate, to be fair. I mean, calibre of players, obviously, I think I mentioned it last time on here, we used to rely on people like Mustafi and Socrates playing out from the back, which is never, ever going to end well for you. Um, so, yeah, to have players as good as Saliba and Gabriel, who they are the two best centre-backs in the league at the moment, I don't care what anyone says, they are just an unbelievable partnership. You've got Zinchenko at left-back, who... I'm sure we'll go into it later, but for the first goal, pops up on the right wing to put Saka in for the goal. You've got Ben White, who's been just Mr. Consistent all year. I mean, he had a game or two where he's a little bit off form. But I mean, he's been an 8 out of 10 every game this season. And just the whole team, just the way they press, it's actually, it's just, it's so good to watch. And 
we'll bring it back to the second half again because like Woz was saying, the second half was unbelievable. Anytime Everton in, I think they can't have had the ball for longer than 10 minutes the entirety of that half. Because every time they got it, we were just on them, just suffocated them, got the ball back straight away and then we just kept it for another 15 minutes before they got a foot in and then we took it back off them again. And it was just, it was so good to watch. And just, to, I've got to touch on party as well because Jorginho is not a bad player, but there's just levels to this game. And when party come on, you just saw a difference in levels. In the first half, there was a couple of turnovers from Jorginho, I think, where they broke on us. And he's before the game, that was my worry. He's like lack of mobility against Onana, uh, Idrissa Gay and Dekore. Like Deficiencies on the ball, yeah, sure. But they're three very athletic players and Jorginho just doesn't have that in his locker. And they broke on us a couple of times. I think it was Gabriel made an unbelievable bit of one-on-one defending against Morpé. Uh, it might have been 0-0 at the time or maybe 1-0. It's just things like he's got such confidence. And when people are running at us now, you don't ever feel like, oh, shit, we're going to concede it. You just, you're just waiting for our defenders to come away with the ball and set us off on an attack. And that's just such a big mindset shift like for the fans since, like I said, we was putting up with the dross that we have done for the previous years. Yeah, mate, that, I... Just quickly, that, that field tilt that you show there, <clears throat> you can see, obviously, from the second half, how higher, like how much mm. the area we were. And the reason is... When Thomas Party plays, the centre backs can push way mm. higher. Like yeah. that, that like when Jorginho's in there, they have to they have to be sensible with it. They have to drop a bit deeper because they know in transition, if they are high and they're caught, that's it. Like we we you know, and and they they are taking risks and doing it. Mm. But when Thomas put the squeeze that that guy puts on, mm. he's like a one man wrecking machine that just screens. And if he's not there, then the centre backs are just gobbling you up straight away. And our line mm. is lit. We were playing on the halfway line. The, 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 it was like a training session. The, we were so yeah. high. Zinchenko's just doing... We're so good that Zinchenko <laughs> can just do whatever the hell he wants. And it mm. really doesn't matter. He, and mm. with, that is all you can see there. That, that field tilt is the perfect example of the difference between maybe Jorginho being in there and Thomas mm. Party because it allows us to dominate and squeeze and close areas so much higher up the pitch. And that's why the, mm. the chart there shows the domination. That's literally mm. the difference. It's almost like the perfect second half. It's it's phenomenal. Um, old school Gunner says, was is a joy to listen to. Uh, to, see, to hear things, says Ramsdale's final minute save was very crucial for him. He wanted his clean sheet. Yeah, I mean, just to finish the defensive side off, I mean, Ramsdale's been been fantastic last couple of games, last few games uh, and throughout the season, making some key saves and key moments, obviously all very part of the uh, defensive setup. Yembele, let's move on through the slides. Um, obviously, we got our first goal courtesy of our star boy, Bukayo Saka. What a goal. What a goal, Yem. Talk us through it. it I saw a stat this morning. Um, that don't. Bukayo it's Saka... the next slide. It's the next slide. Just talk okay, about okay, the goal. Oh, I do. Um, no, do you know what? It was... It... Everton were playing very deep at that point and they were, you know, doing what they did in the first game, which was play deep, play, you know, compact the compact the defence and make it very hard for us to get through. And it was going to take something special to get through them because once we, as, as the lads alluded to, once we broke through, then the floodgates would open. Everton's plan was very clear from the outset. Be compact, be uh, low block it and get, try and get away with a, with a point. They didn't come for much else as the field tilt chart, chart showed. Once that, that goal came out of the inventiveness of, you know, Zinchenko, Zinchenko's mind, you know, playing that through ball, being in a right centre midfield position as well, which 
as, as was alluded to, he could go anywhere he wants. He's that good. And then Bukaya Saka, being what he is, what he has been all this season, an absolute beast now in terms of how his scoring stats, the move, you know, the turn away. You could see him, give me the ball, give me the ball. He was literally just, you could see the, he was calling for it. And when Zinchenko played that pass, the turn was phenomenal and the shot, that's what he's done. That's what he's added on his right foot as well. He's added a level of, you know, scoring technique, which I didn't think he would. You know, we all know he's left-footed and he's got a very good left foot. But to do that on your weaker foot now, and he's and it's not just his scoring ability, it's his, you know, he crosses with his right foot as well. And they're decent crosses. They're not, you know, weak crosses with your weaker foot and, and they don't mean anything. He's He's got intention. That's where the truly world-class players start to develop, you know, this, this streak, you know, that when they get into these clutch positions, they are the ones who deliver. And Bukaya Saka, with the first goal, did that through a, a clever bit of movement. And that's what it's going to take because we're going to come against... Look, I fully assume this weekend, Bournemouth will do the same thing. A lot of teams will. They will go for the compact, you know, be very compact, low block as much as possible and try and frustrate us. And it's going to be up to us to be very patient as, as the boys were here, but also to use that technique and those in, the intelligence these players have to open these doors because that's how we're going to win these games. That's how Man City have done it. That's how the great teams have always done it. So really pleased, really pleased with how the first goal was manufactured, that it was, you know, it was such a, you know, a decisive moment. It wasn't scrappy. It was a, a moment of magic from two players. It was a tremendous goal. I mean, the right-footed finish, top of the net, giving the England goalkeeper no chance, buries it. I mean, was it's an important time to score the first goal five minutes before half time, And then, of course, Gabby Martinelli finds himself in a position that he's not been playing much this season and mm -hmm. takes advantage of uh, some, let's say, lazy offside defending. Talk us through, I mean, oh, give us your thoughts on Saka's finish because it's worth talking about again, but to talk us through the yeah. second goal. Both, yeah, both. I'll just quickly elaborate on that first goal as well, what Yen was tweaking about. If you if you look earlier on in a build-up, Sinchenko gets the ball and he, he takes three players out of the game. And Martinelli is, is playing centre-forward at the time. The ball goes into Martinelli's feet. He's very secure. He holds the ball up. He then dribbles out to the right wing. As he shifts it to Ben White, he sneaks around the right-hand side of the fullback. If you watch Saka immediately... He moves slightly into it's all mechanical and it's all clever, but the space is then created. So Saka's inside and Martinelli makes a darting run on the right. So Mikalenko, he's looking over his left shoulder thinking, shit, there's, there's a space here. Erdegaard has just literally drifted into that false nine position and occupied um, Keane. So Keane's looking at Erdegaard. Mikalenko's looking at Martinelli and all this is happening off the ball and it's just created an absolutely beautiful gap. Saka is fully aware of his situation, his surroundings. It's incredible awareness from him. But the way they manufactured that space, that's the difference now. When you've got someone like Martinelli, where Eddie, Eddie probably wouldn't be able to do that. And that's not, this is just the difference what you're creating there. He's comfortable, Martinelli, running out to the wing with the ball. But then he does, a lot of players would pass the ball off and that's their job done. No, he's gone. He's thinking, I'll tell you what, I normally play left wing. I'm up front now, but when I'm on the right, we know what we're going to do here. And they just created that space. The pass was there. The pass was brilliant. And as you said, I mean, Saka, the, the touch, the first touch, the second touch. And then you always say on your weaker foot, put your foot through the ball. And somehow he's learned how to put, the, put his foot through the ball 
the right amount for it to go in the roof of the net every fucking time. I don't know. I don't know how he's learned. He must have been doing that over and over and over again in training. But what a magnificent goal. And then the second goal, again, I mean, you have to credit them both. Blindside, Martinelli's shown again through the middle. He's, he's on the press. And Saka is just so alive the whole time. Like, the two of them, I mean, it, I don't really know what happened to Drusa Gay. It felt like someone's batteries run out on their controller on FIFA or something and he just stopped like something something happened to him <laughs> don't really know what happened but yeah I mean blindside Saka come Martinelli that's another side he's then for a one-on-one have you got the composure can you do it as a centre forward yes I can easy slot it see you later I mean it's easy to get it past the keeper with no arms but to be fair it's um just a, a magnificent goal and it's shown there in them first two goals and I know we'll go on to talk about the other goals but Martinelli showed Real quality as a striker, off the ball movement, control. He done everything right in both situations, and 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 we've just got immense quality in the final third. And there's so many subtle things, like even Erdegaard's movement to occupy Keane, and these these things are not mistakes, and they're happening, and they create the space. And when it's so difficult, Everton was so compact, we were really struggling every time. It was tight, man for man, for us to make five yards of space in the final third like that by manipulating the ball. That's why we're top of the fucking league. I'm telling you. We are indeed. Matthew Hudson in the chat says, we were very fluid. Martinelli was to the right of Saka for Saka's goal. Lots of switching up. Always great to see. There is a slide to come with heat maps of both Trossard and Martinelli, which we'll focus on. Um, Joe, going into halftime, it was really important to be in the lead, but to go 2-0 up at halftime, um, Everton don't really look like a team at the moment, especially under Daesh, that, that would have a response to that. You know, we all felt at half time, right, this is a chance for us to maybe just see out the game, in-game management, maybe score one or two more, boost the goal difference. There was no coming back. And of course, as we came out, as we've said already in the show tonight a couple of times, that we were mesmerising in that second half. Um, we did get our third goal, Joe. Martin Erdegaard on 71 minutes. Um, talk us through that. Just a, after, what minute was 71? So it was, so it was just after about 15, 20 minutes of just total, utter domination on the ball. I mean, literally at one point, I think we'd kept, I looked at the clock, I think we'd kept it for at least six, seven minutes. And it was just champagne football in that second half, it really was. But I felt one of the things that let us down before we scored in the first half, it's just some basic pass appreciation. Like, we could, there was moments where just get the, pass the ball in front of someone, let them take a positive first touch, but we played into people's back foot. So they've then got to take one touch, two touch, and before we can get going forward, and by that time, it gives them the defence and sort of midfield and all that time to recover and get back. But for that goal, it was just a perfect example of pass appreciation. I think if Xhaka gets it, just puts it in front of um, Trossard to run onto. Trossard doesn't have to take a touch and beat anyone or think about what he's doing. He's just got it in front of him. He can go straight for goal, pulls it back, and Odegaard arriving late, like a prime Frank Lampard, just to pop it into the net. It's just... A beautiful goal, but I think that was the one of the things we was lacking in the first half was just that the neatness of our passing, which is usually on point. There's just there was a lot of passes going to the back foot, and there's times I think that was slowing us down up until the star boy done it. And just on Saka, there's been a lot of sort of people saying, "Is he world class? Is he this? Is he that?" World class players, they don't have to be involved in the game, but they'll get one, two, three maybe moments, and in those moments they'll score, they'll create a goal. And they'll do something. And Saka, up until that goal, I think he was having not a bad game, but by his exceptionally high standards, he was pretty quiet, I thought. But 
that, that's what world-class players do. He gets one half chance, which is what it was really from that angle. Slaps it in the top corner. Next one, he's alive to go and nick it off Gay for the assist. Two moments and it's two goals. And that's what world-class players do. And Saka now, he's at that level where, you, in my opinion, you talk about him in the same breath as Mbappe's and Vinicius at Real Madrid and people like that. He's that level of a player. He's phenomenal. And for a boy of such a young age to be so devastating on the biggest stage in the world, I just want, I can't wait to see more of it. And do you know what? It's so much more wholesome knowing that he's an academy boy mm. and that he's an Arsenal boy. And he's got everything at his feet. He can do whatever like he wants. Like, he can achieve you, whatever you're he wants. You're a young child out there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> given my age, it feels like I'm... <laughs> It feels like I'm watching my son, man. Uh, oh, oh I, well, as I told you on WhatsApp, there was all of this because Yembele and, and Joe know about this. But my daughter was asked who my, my daughter was asked at school who inspires her, and no, she didn't say me. She didn't say Arsene Wenger. She didn't say Dad. You know, her mom, nothing. She said Bukayo Saka, and Mrs. Beadle didn't know who that was. And she outrageous, was so upset. Yeah. Outrageous, right? So I'm going to complain to the school. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm bringing up my five-year-old absolutely wonderfully. Um, Yembele, we went on to score a fourth. Eddie Nketiah came on as a substitute um, and was, I'll come to you about substitutes actually, because I thought it was almost the perfect game that Mikel played in, in that sense. Um, Nketiah comes on, gets an assist, and it's Gabby Martinelli once again to make it 4-0, Yem. Yeah? yeah, Gabby, you know, the, the most pleasant thing about this this resurgence that we've had, you know, ever since the Man City loss and the Brentford draw is Gabby Martinelli is back, scoring goals, looking lively as well. That's the key thing that he's making runs. He's looking dangerous again. You know, he's had, he's, we've never disputed his ability, but he's had a bit of a dip in form for whatever reason. You know, obviously we think maybe it's because Jesus is not there and it's, you know, with Eddie being such a static, static striker, maybe that's affecting Martinelli's ability to come inside because he doesn't really, you know, and Ketia occupies that space permanently. I would say that maybe that is correct because, you know, since Trossard has come in, Martinelli looks a completely different player. You know, he's coming inside, he's looking lively, he's looking for shots. He's, you know, it, you know, there was another occasion where he, you know, you could tell he was going to line up the shot and go for it. So it, that's the pleasant thing because an alive Gary Martinelli is a dangerous one. He's so dangerous. He's got so much in his locker in terms of shot selection, shot ability, dribbling, you know, making defenders uncomfortable. It's what we want to see. That's why, we, you know, everyone rates him so highly. He's so varied in his, in, in the amount of play he can bring to it. And yesterday was, you know, the, the fourth goal was another example of it. It was, you know, Nketiah, to his credit, did well, got to the byline. And, you know, obviously then Martinelli stole in at the, you know, the keeper's near post for a great goal. But again, it's a nice tapping, but you have to be there. And it was a low one. To you know that the keeper may have got to, but it was still one of those you know nice striker chances, and I like that about Martinelli. He does, he can fire a shot off from distance, but he can also get these scrappy goals. He can do all of that. There was also a headed chance, which if he had just believed in himself just a little bit more, I think he could have got that and got his hat trick. I mean, it was a great performance from Martinelli. You know, there were so many good performances, and obviously, you know, watching content today you were looking at who's your man of the match etc everyone had something different it, it's great and and a dangerous martinelli coming into this final period is exactly what we need you know it, it just creates that extra weapon that teams are scared of, about you know and it, you know two goals today he got one against you know he got one you know he got the winner against leicester 
I, I still I think this weekend as well he'll probably will score again because I think this is he looks so dangerous and so you know nippy you know he's got this move he's got his movement back you know this this kind of you know very quick movements that he has that it looks night and day from the Martinelli who came back from the World Cup if if it's Trossard fantastic but. I think maybe he's just got over a hump as well mentally. There is a hump that you know some players get over. You know, with the World Cup it is a big event, so that may have forced it. But an amazing, you know, two goals. Really pleased for him, and I think he'll continue the scoring run. Do you know what the you thing as well? The... Just before you say okay. that, Fies about Martinelli. Everyone like he's had that little dip in form that yeah mentioned. Everyone's been going mad about Marcus Rashford this year, saying Marcus Rashford best player in the world, form of his life, unstoppable. I think he's only got two more goals than Martinelli and no one is saying a word about Martinelli. So I think he's just, like you said, he's, United, he went mate, a little bit. But Joe, we know why it is. United will get praise to the hill. Always, yeah. you know, United are back. I don't mind it, to be honest. Under the radar, with, you know, look at the numbers that are coming through mm. from three players. One player reunited is scoring numbers, but one mm. we've got three at Arsenal doing bits. Mm. I'm, I'm good with it. I don't really care for it. You know, as, as, as you guys have been talking, I've brought on some of the stats yeah, that you mentioned earlier. So Bukayo Saka is the sixth youngest player in Premier League history to reach 50 plus goal involvements. And that's 27 goals and 24 assists in his time. Um, what really interested me was the decisive goal contribution that he has. And you look at Harry Kane, who's up there, Erling Haaland, who's up there. You would expect strikers to be up there. But look at Bukayo Saka third in terms of the highest number of decisive goals so you know that is uh, as you can see on the graphic there players with the most goals scored to put their teams either in the lead or to be an equalizer in the premier league of this season Bukayo Saka right up there go on Yem. this is what joe was talking about world class means that in these moments where your team needs you you come up with a moment to Joe's point, the first goal was a moment, but the second goal as well. To be alive, to to see Drissa Gay was go was you know standing still for whatever reason, and to pitch the ball <laughs> and go for it. Because you know when you're on that level, was all of us have seen it. Henri, Bergkamp, these players. You know when you're at that Enelka as well. I'll put him there as well because when the when they were at that true top end, I'm guessing the game just seems so easy for them. And they, I'm guessing Saka just saw it and went. Yeah, he's stopped. I'm going for it. I'm just going to, I'll see what happens. Go for it. And it was, it, it's these decisive moments. And it's no surprise to me. Saka always will, has, has for the last year or two, been this decisive force within our team. It's why teams are isolated. You know, why defenders are doubling up against him because they realize he is the danger man. But what he's also adding to his game now with this is the variation to say, look, I'm not just going on the outside and cutting in. I'm doing all these little things that you won't know. Yesterday's goal, another weapon. I can do it on the half turn, smash it with my right. You think I'm all left-footed? There you go, have that as well. It, it, that's what's going to elevate him. He's 21. Isn't that really scary? He's 21 years old. I know Haaland is an absolute machine, and we expect that of him. But the development of Bukaya Saka from a left-back, a left-wing back, to one of the most dangerous right-wing inside forwards in the world has been such a pleasure and I think he's only going to get better because he's, he's getting to that level again we saw it with Henri where they're just ascending the rest of the players around them into becoming this decisive force in every game and I fully expect in most games he will be the decisive force 
Was can I ask you a question that Terence Tibbs has put in the chat? It's a great question. Bearing in mind his trajectory that Saka is on, uh, Terence says Tony Adams and Ashley Cole are two greatest academy graduates. So let me allow let me let me elaborate and turn that into a question. Could Bukayo Saka become the greatest of all time from our academy? Hundred percent, isn't it? You, you, the guy. The thing with with Saka, he's introduced so early, and 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 the development in his career has been so early. But as Yem alluded to, and, and Joe said, the, the levels this guy's gone in the last twelve months are astonishing. Physically, mentally, everything he's experienced and gone through has been another another addition to his career. And he's tw- as he said, twenty one years old. The, the, the guy's ability is just. It's limitless. He can do everything. He can use both feet. As Jem said, when he gets to the byline, when he crosses with his right foot, he crosses. You know, he's playing on the right wing as a predominantly left-footed player, but he's got the ability to utilise that right foot to perfection. In, and this is the decisive moments. In previous years, two, three seasons ago, we weren't seeing this. We could see the talent. That's not. That was never questionable. That's not the question. You could see that he's an unbelievable player. But what you could also see is... And it has also was a result of the team. But he has gone to a level now where everything he does is right. It's always the right decision. He very rarely makes the wrong decision. And it's almost a shock now when he loses possession or he loses the ball. And it, it's just mad that you're almost not expecting it, but you're, you're, getting, you're getting that level of performance out from this player. But before we... Go on, go on, yeah, go on. I was going to... The other piece that you alluded to was, was his mentality as well. We're talking about a player who in the World Cup took the final penalty and missed it. He could have either crumbled or become gone on to be a mentality monster. And he's become that latter one because he's taking penalties. Look, we had George, a perfect example recently. There was a penalty and we have Jorginho, one of the best penalty takers in the world. But who steps up? Saka doesn't doesn't hide from it or, you know, becomes this, you know, weeping willow. He says, it's mine. I've been taking the penalties and I'll continue to take it. And he does that. It's not just his physical, it's his mentality as well, because certain players have crumbled under the great pressure. Look, Ronaldo, R9, one of the greatest players ever, was, you know, an amazing player. But one incident in the World Cup, from a mentality point of view, changed him. But And it could have died to Bukai Saka, but no, it's turned him into an even stronger person. And look where he is. It, it's unbelievable how... Uh, such a young player has taken so much experience and so much, you know, could have been bad experience, but turned it into such a positive thing. And he's, you know, that can only be good because there will be good and bad points in his career. That's natural. Well, let's fin- finish your point. No, I was just going to say what another good thing for Saka, what really, really is helping him at the moment. Obviously, his ability levels of, you know, everything he's doing has got way better. But just jumping back onto the game yesterday, I just want to make a point about the two guys who I actually thought were tactically the reason we won the game. It was Zinchenko and it was Gabriel Martinelli. And the way they were utilised within the game, it takes the pressure off of Saka. Saka was the rely- he was being relied upon at 18, 19 years of age. And every time he got an opportunity, we needed him to score. And he couldn't score every time because he was 18, 19 years old. And that's big part of the reason why we finished eighth two years in a row because we weren't incisive and we weren't putting the chance away in the final third and there's a lot of mitigating circumstances i get that but ultimately we needed numbers at the start of this season i was concerned about the two young boys about numbers 
and they have added that to an exceptional level. But if you look at them three goals you see, this is what I was saying. Zinchenko, barring the second goal, you look at that third goal again, the ball comes in, and who's at number nine? Gabriel Martinelli in the middle of the pitch. He drops off, immediately he plays that ball out wide. He's vacated the space. All of a sudden, the defenders are marking no one. And what does Martin Odegaard do again? He runs into that same little space that was there for the first goal. He weren't used on the first goal, but on that one, we worked it wide. Jacker passing quicker. Bang. We've been saying we want to see it quicker. It was done. Straight down the line. Trossard looks up, cuts back. That's all manufactured. Then the fourth goal again. Who plays the pass through to Eddie? Zinchenko. We allowed him to have the freedom of that pitch. We said, this is how we're going to hurt you. I can't tell you where Zinchenko is going to be at any point in time, but you're not going to be able to deal with him because we're so good everywhere else. And that goal again, Martinelli as a number nine, as, as Jim said, getting across his man near post, bang, goal. And when you look at them goals and you look at Gabriel Martinelli's involvement in all four as a centre striker, the first one, he took the ball, run wide, went in behind and, and created the space. The second one, obviously, he's on his toes, one-on-one, -on -one, composure, finish. The third one, he drops deep, lays off, creates a space behind him, brilliant ball out wide, and the fourth one across his man. And that is an unbelievable performance from a guy in a centre-forward role that the heat match will probably show a lot of the time he was in wide areas. But this is the beauty of having a player of his ability. And this is what Jesus done. And you saw there Martinelli combining both sides of the pitch. The heat map will show where he was predominantly, but the combinations are so important because that split second he went to the right it opened the game and Zinchenko took full advantage with the freedom. And them two players were the reason we won it. But then you've got Saka with no reliance, being doubled up on. But when we do get that one moment of chance and we do create it, that kid's there to smash it in the top corner. And that's why also he's so fucking good at the moment. He's so exciting because we've got multiple ways of winning games. You know, we're dangerous from set pieces. We can do we can do it a lot. But Arteta's looked at that game and he's given Zinchenko that complete freedom and he said to Martinelli, please try and replicate Jesus. And I honestly think he'd done a bloody good job of it because although he was predominantly in wider areas, when he did come in, all four of them goals, Killer. he was involved through the middle. And that is frightening. Well, as I've just brought up, I brought heat maps up here. This, this was shared by James Benj of CBS Sports, a good, good friend of the channel. The Leo Trossard heat map on the left-hand side, the Martinelli heat map on the right-hand side. And Aaron in the chat says, see the symmetry of these two heat maps. Arteta is a fogging genius. Um, the point here, though, way uh, uh, was is that we have two players who are moving across, not staying stationary or static. They are switching with one another. Martinelli, you know, I've not seen him play that much, that as in the heat map, that much on the right hand side in recent games because he's always been stuck out on the left. Mm. But. These two have developed quite a nice little relationship. And I guess I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that because, uh, and Joe, I'll come to you afterwards in terms of Eddie and Ketty and whether he gets back into the team or not. But these two look like they're the real deal. They look like they've been playing for a long time, Was Again, we, we discussed it about the, the, the signing in the window of Trossard and it's actually turning out to be unbelievably good, isn't it? I mean, uh, he just fits the mould. And and we I know earlier in the season when we were talking about signings, Arteta's not they're not signing they're signing players that are made they got the mentality the, the way they play stylistically they're not just buying players they they knew okay he might not have been first choice but i tell you now we've got a plan for this guy 
and, and and everyone who comes in, we got a plan for you. You sign Thomas Partey, who's box to box midfielder for Atletico Madrid, and from day one in his head, Arteta's thinking, by the way, there's probably the best screening midfielder on the planet here. And what we're going to do in a couple of years, you're going to all see it. You've got Granite Jack. Oh, by the way, his physicality, he's being a bit wasted there, and he's a bit 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 slow and transition. He can't cross up. But I'll tell you what, I've got a role for you, Martin Erdegaard. I'm going to sign you 35 million when nobody really knows. But I'm telling you, in a few years, you're going to see that role. And it's all come to the fore now. So when you start adding players like Leandro Trossard to it, you can see it. As soon as they step on the pitch, you think, yes, that's why he's signing. They're not going to go out and just sign any old nobody like we used to just because we need to get someone in or, you know, it all makes sense. <laughs> and that's the frightening thing. Arteta's been building this and a lot of me included naively initially you don't quite see it you know and it, and it, and honestly this formation now with the dual eights and the way we've developed and approached it i honestly think he wanted to do it earlier we saw glimpses of it towards the back end of last season but realistically the start of this year that was when he said look i've got the team now i've got what i want i've got the players that are old enough to be incisive enough in the final third i've got thomas party i've got jacko i've got erdegaard i'm gonna let loose now and adding players like Trossard into it and Martinelli, you know, they're all coached to such a high standard that it's all natural to them. They, everything's so quick. They don't, it, you know, it's not clunky. They just know off of instinct what they got to do. And Trossard fits the bill. And, and the good thing about Trossard as well, he's not sort of explosive in a sense that he'll burst past people, but he's so technically secure. He's so intelligent that when you do give him the ball, you know he's not going to waste it and you know he's going to make the right decision. And, and ultimately, I think Arteta is, you know, is a big fan of that. And when we see how incisive and intelligent we are with the ball, it just perfectly fits the bill. And it's so nice to have players like Martinelli, who is so adaptable. He's literally, as you said, he can do everything. He really can do everything. And we're just starting to see it. Like For years, they've shown signs of it, but now they're doing it at a level, at a level that we're consistently playing. And it's just the beginning for this squad. And Trossard, at the age he is, he'll be around for a couple of years. That's great because I tell you now, in that time, we will find someone else that will come in and replicate the way we want to play. But we're also not predictable anymore. We went for years where we were just hoping for Tierney and Kalasinac on the left side and we were just completely isolated on the right. That's the whole duration of Nico Pepe's Arsenal career was just so isolated and we were rubbish. And then now, you know, we can come at you from all angles. we got... We've got left-backs playing right wing and, you know, we're just so fluid and intelligent and every signing and Trossard is a prime example of that. You have to say credit to the credit to the team bringing the players in and, and credit to the way they're performing on the pitch. But, you know, it's all built and made by Mikel Arteta and it's just the beginning. Joe, you're a big fan of, of Eddie and Ketty and to be fair to Eddie, he came on and he played really well. Looking ahead to Bournemouth on Saturday, Joe, would you keep this front three? I mean, like Was has just said, these two, and Trossard in particular, his intelligence, close control, the ability to play across all three, um, you know, at the, the front there. What do you do, Joe? And, you know, just be as sincere as you can, really, because I know you love Eddie. <laughs> yeah, mate, to be fair, I'd, you can't change it. And I'd include, I'd go say the front four and include Odegaard in it, because he's a massive part of it as well. Like, Eddie is useful in games where you need sort of someone who's just going to occupy the two centre-backs and stay in that central area. That's that's when you, you need an Eddie. But more often than not now, we're coming up against teams who do this low block, who just 
like you said earlier, two lines of five, stop us having the ball like in that sort of final further the pitch. And with Trossard, Martinelli, Saka, just the, the fluidity of that front four and just the interchange of positions is just so key to what we do because I think was alluded to earlier, the, the, just the movement and defenders are looking, but one minute thinking, right, Martinelli's there, but then you've got Saka popping up over there, Martinelli's now on the other side, and then you've got Trossard appears in the middle, then he'll swap with Odegaard, and that for defenders is an absolute nightmare because you just you feel like you've caught in a whirlwind. You don't know whether you're coming or going. One minute you've got someone there, next minute someone else appears, and then you just you just get lost in the pitch, and then that's when the start the chances start being created. And as much as I like Anketia, and I think he's done a fantastic job when we have relied on him with Jesus being out, just at the moment you just don't change this front four because you saw what we've done to Everton. I mean, they just didn't have a clue whether they was coming or going last night. So yeah, I, you you keep it the same for Bournemouth. You you let the, these players just keep going because the more you keep playing them together, the better the understanding is going to be between them. And it's frightening that realistically these these got Trossard's only come in recently. These he's not played them very much at all. So that's only going to improve, and that's a scary thing when you think of the next five games. Well, that that front four, you try and keep it together as much as you can for that next five because we could blow all those teams away if we re- reproduce sorry, that performance level from last night. Indeed. I, I, sorry, I thought the next slide was going to be the one about goals and Gabriel Jesus. In fact, let's just, <laughs> let's just, go, let's just go do that. We'll go back a step. I mean, yeah, the, the, the point here is that we're getting goals from all over the pitch. These are goals and assists in all competitions, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal with his amazing um, edits that he does. Gabriel Jesus is now not only holding a ball, and wearing a tracksuit and jogging. He is kicking a ball <laughs> and running and sprinting. And it's I have grass. no idea when this guy is going to be back, but I'm guessing soon. Yembele, just tell me the impact that this guy is going to have on not only the team, but also the running. It's crunch time, 13 games to go now. Yeah, I alluded to it earlier. I mean, we have in the past had this, I don't know what it is, condition where we've lost players not gained players through the through the final thirds of the season. It's usually been, oh God, this player's injured for 10 months and that's it, we're all done. And, and now we're getting into this period where, a crucial period, as I said, where our players are coming into form, plus we're getting players back and key players. Gabriel Jesus, make no mistake, is probably the key player in our system. Was alluded to it, uh, uh, that Partey plays it. But that spine, we've, we're talking about the spine here. We've got the two centre-backs, the goalkeeper. You've got Merton, Martin Odegaard, and then your striker is your biggest one. And Gabriel Jesus doesn't score many, but we did, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, it, it's been his his presence on the pitch, the, the pressing from the front, the movement, the dribbling as well. Let's not understate that when he moves to the left, he's not static. His, his close control and, and a dribbling you know, draws defenders to him and makes it tough for every, you know, for defenders to marshal him. We've seen it in this game. You know, the Newcastle game was a perfect example where we thought we could have done with Gabriel Jesus because we all know what he does in that he occupies defenders. He makes it difficult and then he allows the other players to come in around him. Erdegaard, Saka, Martinelli allows them all to come in. He made Xhaka look 10 times better. He makes the team look better. And to get him back, and I reiterate from the previous videos that we've done, fully fit, 
because we are in a in a in a lucky position where the front four, as Joe alluded to, are in form. Those num- those goals tell you the story. So we don't need to rush him back, but we want him ready for that April period, hitting the ground running, being that because to me and and the the guys can say otherwise. I think that having him for Liverpool, Newcastle, and Man City in particular changes the game for us. We have played, no disrespect to Eddie, we have played with a player who is playing the first full season of of being a senior striker who is uh, is not really Gabriel Jesus' level. It changes the approach of any big team against us. And I can't wait. This is why I want him to be managed back in. There's no need to rush him in, manage him, because the crucial games are the ones against our rivals. And we have got a bunch of them in April. So... Get him in, get him the minutes, do what we're doing now. And we'll talk, and I'm sure you'll talk about this in a minute. But manage him how Arteta is managing now. We've got no need to bring him back straight away, which we've had done in the past, where we've had to rush players back. We can in, it, you know, we can insert him slowly, give him the minutes he needs, play him in the under 21s, bring him up slowly, and then boom, April, he's ready to go and ready to be the influential player he is, because he is. And, and I can't wait. I can't wait for him to come back. We're getting these these moments, and I'm sure we'll talk about ESR, but these moments where it's, you know, the joyous feeling of players coming back and offering something to the team. Massive, massive for us right now. Really will be. I mean, look, let's go back to that previous slide because Gabby Jesus is going to come back at crunch time and was, Joe, 13 games to go. Um, Look at it. Just look at the Premier League table. 25 matches played for Arsenal. A goal difference of 33 boosted last night with our 4-0 win, of course, and now we're on 60 points. I don't think any of us would have ever imagined in the summer that we'd be in this position. And do you remember, I mean, I just want to take you back on a journey because we, this was talked on the on the post-match phone-in yesterday on Twitter. A caller called up and made an excellent point saying before, you know, we, we had like 10, 12 games on the board. We were top and it was all like, you know, Arsenal, yeah, it's early, nothing's won in you know, October, November, Arsenal going to bottle it. Then Arsenal fans and, and the media, you know, can Arsenal hang in there until the World Cup? We go top, we go into the World Cup top, come back from the World Cup. Ah, oh, you know, yeah, how, how are the players going to return from, from international duty and the pace of the Premier League is going to catch up with Arsenal, the demands of the Premier League is going to catch up with Arsenal, you know, win four, five, six, whatever. And here we are, 25 games on the board. We are still top. We are now five points clear of the chasing pack. The countdown he's on was 13 <laughs> games to go, man. I mean, fucking hell. <laughs> what are we doing yeah. here? I'll tell you what. The Obviously, 13 is the big number. I think when you get down to nine and you come into the nitty-gritty of Liverpool away, the, the, we have to. We have to take maximum points. It's not going to be easy at Fulham. And obviously, we don't want to look too far ahead. We have to beat Bournemouth. We have to beat Fulham. We have to beat Palace and Leeds at home. If we do that and we get into single figures, we will be minimum, minimum five clear with nine to play. One of them games is against our direct rivals, which is genuinely a six-pointer. So you go there and avoid defeat. That's another game gone. You go there and win. I honestly think if you go into that game and we're five clear at City and win, I think that's the title done. I honestly think that, 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 mate, I know it sounds stupid and I've seen, obviously we've seen teams collapse. We are so good. We are so good. We have to believe in what we've done here because 
it's, it's not going to fade away. We are not going to fade away. All these pundits can say what they want. And all season, we've been saying ourselves, let's wait, let's see where we are. When we lost Jesus, I thought to myself, fuck, you know, we're so good. This guy's come in and completely raised the bar. We're such a good side. It's devastating to lose him. We could have really gone on title charge. And he's gone for three months and we come back and I'm sat here thinking, fuck, we're still so good. We're still on the title chart. What, like, what is going on? You yeah. add this guy who's an absolute monster. He's a winner. He's a mentality monster as well. And, and, and you're adding him into the mix as well as there's going to be people, yeah, like people like Reese Nelson, Smith Rowe, all these guys are going to have a part to play in this remaining part of the season with the Europa League. There's going to be times where every single man has to step up. Zinchenko went through a little rough spell. He's just come back with the last two games have been absolutely unbelievable. You've got the two centre-backs. They've popped up. Gabriel's popped up with goals. Saliba's popped up with goals. Benny White. I mean, I think Benny White scores the title-winning goal, to be fair. I, don't, I think that's when that happens. But all jokes aside, the team, to a man, Jorginho steps up. The geezer's been here a few weeks. He steps up at Villa away. Huge moment. What a strike. Thomas Party, just incredible. Spurs, you know, top corner. There's, there's so many moments from every player that it's it's not it's not by mistake that we're here. The squad is only getting deeper. You know, Fabio Vieira, we, we know the players that are coming back into the situation. There's options there. But as I say, every single player to a man is going to stand up and they're going to have their moment. And between now and the end of the season, I genuinely believe there's enough quality there that if we do get down to nine games and we go to Anfield, we go to Upton Park, um, well, it's not Upton Park anymore, but we go there, then obviously it, it, we move on, Southampton at home, and then, wow, Chelsea, you've got Chelsea home and your City away and Newcastle away, them three fixtures. After that, mate, we are down to, what, four or five games left? And our last three games are so fucking winnable it is unbelievable. You couldn't have asked for three nicer games to end the season. Nottingham Forest, I mean, I, you know, if you're going to go there to win the title, you, you've got to talk about it. You have to start talking about it. And like Arteta said, oh, he wants us to believe. Because we've got to that stage now where it's not a coincidence. We're not hanging in there. We're not seeing where, mate, we've done all this without our best centre forward. In the big games as well, we've missed Thomas Party. We ain't had Thomas Party for the two big games. And also, we missed Ben White against City, which was huge. So, if you go City with White, Party, Jesus, we're a different animal. And Pep knows it. And Pep, by the way, has been talking about it all season. And initially, when I was listening to him, I was thinking, it's mind games. He knows what he's doing. But actually, he knew. He knew all along we're a threat, we're a danger. And the more momentum we gained and the more chances that we bounce back. And every time we hit adversity, we bounce back. And yes, we're still only 25 games. Yes, you know, there is still a long way to go. But this next four is a huge opportunity. We are so good. We're getting better. And we all know this is essentially the start of the project because the players are still young. We're still recruiting. We're still building. But it's hit a stage now where you have to think, fucking come on, we're going to do this. And I genuinely, genuinely do believe we are good enough because I don't see us slipping up against the lesser sides. And I really want to see... Us turn up at places like Anfield, where we notoriously get battered, and we're notoriously not very good, against one of the worst midfields Liverpool have had in the last 10 years. They're all old, they're all shit. Let's turn up with our midfield, let's get Zinni in there, let's dominate, and we can go and win that game. And that would be, you know, after winning these, if we win these fixtures leading into that, and we go to Anfield, 
and we turn up and we win. That's where the points by then could be anything. They could be eight, they could be 10, but they're bare minimum going to be five. And we're close with single figures, five points. And I know they can go in two games, but everything now, if City draw one, it becomes three games. Then we play them as well. So that becomes four games. You know, we're, too, we're down to these numbers now where it's really tight. So we've got to believe. We have to be excited and we have to believe. And well, it's just so, so exciting to be here. Yes, we. I know we should feel like, blimey, we always bottle it in situations. We ain't been here for years, but it don't feel like that to me. It feels like we're a young group with the freedom and the energy and the belief. And Mikel Arteta is a manager that is destined to be elite. And this is just the beginning of his run. Pep come out of nowhere when he done it. And look what he done. He transformed, transformed Bayern, transformed Barcelona, that Barcelona side. He was just incredible. And Mikel Arteta has done exactly the same thing in the toughest league in the world. And this is just the start for us, as I keep alluding to. But I genuinely think we can do it. And I think we will do it. And I, I don't want to put my head on the block already, but I think we will do it, mate. I, I just believe in us so much. Tony says, Was is not helping with the nerves at all. And then Aaron saying, Was, you should be amongst the Arsenal coaching staff, bro. You've got me believing. Uh, Nasse saying, Was, cracks me up. Uh, Joe, I guess my biggest fear is heartbreak because I'm so excited and buzzing, like Was says, and I'm so optimistic about what might happen. But at the same time, I'm so terrified of this just being broken in front of me. And I mean, you got to be in it to win it. I get that. And I'm I'm so happy that the team are doing what they're doing and Arteta's doing everything they're doing. But I'm I, I'm just help me out here, Joe. Are you? I mean, do, do you do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like I'm just so terrified yeah, of coming happens. second. Yeah. That sounds that, nuts, but I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it does make sense, mate. Because we've we've been top for the majority of the season. We have just everything that's been thrown our way. We've batted it away. We've answered the question. And we're still there. We're still top by five points. Jesus gets injured with five points clear of City. Everyone's like, oh, Arsenal will drop off now. Jesus is now coming back and we're still five points clear of City. So every bit of adversity so far that's come our way, we've answered. Like was said, once that uh, game's played hits 29-30, that is the final sort of 100 metres. You're, you're into the finishing straight. You can see the finish line. And... I was very much like you, mate. I'm very much of the opinion that, oh, God, like, I just, I can't do it. Like, I've dealt with losing a Carling Cup final to Birmingham. I've dealt with, like, all these horrendous sort of memories we've had where things have just gone wrong. Paris, and you were is, there. Oh, that, oh the, the worst one a lot. I, was, I try not to remember it. Thanks, Matt Pies. But, yeah, just all these things. But after listening to Woz, I'm with him. We're fucking doing John, it, mate. Listen. John, what I'd say, there. mate. <laughs> This PTSD, yeah, that everyone's got, I do get it. But what I would say, no matter what happens, in my eyes, whatever happens from here, this season has been incredible already. Yeah, yeah, if the season ended yeah, today, yeah. right, and someone said to me, oh, you won't see the last couple of months, but we didn't win the title by a couple of points, I'd say, yeah, do you know what? It's devastating, but the way that, that everyone is back together again. Yeah, we've 100%. been through years. We've been through years in the stands. We've all been there. It's been it's been torture. People fighting each other, protests, banners, doing this, doing that. All we have got now is a unified club with a group of players that we all love to a man. We love them all. There's people love Granite Xhaka now, for fuck's sake. That's how good this season's <laughs> been, honestly. And 
we got something to be very, very proud of here. So no matter what happens from here, I think we have done enough to look at them and look at Arteta and say, thank you, boys. This has been incredible. But I'm telling you now, I believe in them to do it because we've come this far. But I would say whatever does happen, and I get the PTSD, whatever does happen, it's been an unbelievable season. And I still think the big moments are coming, mate. Do you know what his was? Sorry, go on, yeah. No, no, go on, go on, Joe. I was going to say, like, I just with the whole the whole thing, I just think we can do it. Like, it's actually mad. And the thing is, this team is so likable, and every player there, you love every single one. There's not one player in that team. You think, oh, he's no nah, fuck him. Like, get rid of him. Like, you all twenty five players in that squad, you love them all, and that's what I think makes this so special. Is because you just. You just want them to win so much. You just want these like young players, like Arteta as well. Like everyone's tried to throw mud at them. Gary Neville, fucking who's that twat who used to work on Sky, the fucking misogynist. Uh, they've all just Richard Keys. They've all just thrown mud at Arsenal throughout the season. And to see these young players and this young manager go and do it, and just end the season go and just watch all these people then just have nothing to say. It would mean so much, and just for all of us to, with such a relatable bunch of players, I think that's why this is so special. Why it would mean so much because, like was said, you just haven't felt a connection with the club like this for probably fifteen, nearly twenty years. Go on, Yim. Do you know what's yeah. really good about this season? You know, like was has <laughs> talked about all the positivity. And we're going to go. I'm, I'm referencing the PTSD, but I've referenced this just in the in the thing. It feels different to me. This just feels different. Previous seasons, and I alluded to it in the video, we've had this kind of, well, we've got players injured, we've got this, we're at half half capacity. It all starts falling apart, doesn't it? It falls apart. But this is kind of like it's slowly building up to a lovely yeah. crescendo, and it's just you know, Jesus is just starting to run now just as we're hitting this crucial period it's not the case that we're getting injuries god forbid you know look i'm you know, in my head I'm going, <laughs> look got it i'm touching wood i'm doing everything right now don't, don't. but it's Let's building up with you don't lower the don't lower the tone mate. not don't on camera anyway mate Christ. <laughs> but, but you know what i mean it, it just feels like this season is different from others that we are we're not getting, you know, the horrific injury. We've had our injuries. We've had the most horrific one three months out with our, our one of our key players. But we're building up to very influential players. And I count ESR in that because ESR last season was the absolute beast at the start of it. And he will definitely add to us. You know, when he came on, the cheers were there because they know this guy can make a difference in our season from, from whatever he does. But to get Jesus back at the right time in April, that's just different from all the years that we've had, which can only add to the positive. That, do you know what? The, I'm hoping, I'm praying that Jesus comes back at a home game because if he does, the noise will be mental. And that's another moment. Do you know what? You've talked about it, Faisal, throughout, this, throughout the, the series this season. It's about moments. And we've had moment, we've had a majority of moments that have been so positive that we have a, we've all formed a connection to this team for through those moments. Gabriel Jesus as well is one of those moments I think will be another step. And I think that's going to add to the positivity and to Woz's point, keep that positivity going. Because we've had this in the past where we've been, we've had this poisonous atmosphere. We've had this, you know, infighting and all that. We can't, you know, 
<laughs> you know, we, we can't, we can't, you know, I just don't see, I, I'm, I'm with Woz and Joe, and I'm sure you are as well, that it's it, the positive, it's like a snowball effect. I'm just feeling it at the moment, I can't wait for Bournemouth this weekend. It's a crap game. You know, it's one of those games a couple of, a couple of years ago, you would go, oh, it's Bournemouth. But this year, I can't wait for it because I want to get back on it. I want to be back at the Emirates in block nine with the lads, just watching it again and giving it and just watching the Arsenal absolutely demolish teams. I can't wait, honestly. It's, it's you know, three o'clock on some Saturday. Can't come soon enough. I've already said to the wife, I'm not here at three o'clock. Don't even bother trying to find me. I'll be gone by one just to get to the Emirates. One game at a time. One game at a time. Right, let's <laughs> uh, let's let's bring the show to a close. We've been going for just over an hour. V Vlad says, I'm in. I'm all in after that was masterclass. Let's fucking go, guys. Uh, let's end the show. Oh, hang on a second. Uncle Doris says, FK, will there be any mention? Will there oh, be any? Well, I'll tell dear. you what. Why not? Why not? <laughs> oh, uh, there we go. Will there be any mention of how Spurs got on last night? Absolutely. Those wankers went out to Sheffield United. I mean, lads. Honest, no, not just a Sheffield United, a reserve Sheffield United. It wasn't even the full squad. And you it had a 16 million flop it makes me up so front. Happy. But do you know what? I love it. The content. I've got to shout out expressions on this one because his content <laughs> each time is just elite in terms of I can't get enough of it. And just watching the the, the meltdown, you know, oh, we, we, we were going to have the FA Cup. We still got the FA Cup. We've got all of that. And then all of a sudden they just lost it in one fell swoop last night. I couldn't believe it at the Emirates when we came out and it was 1-0 to Spurs. And I was like, no way. Sure, it's going to go F- It's going to go to extra time. They're going to just draw and get, an F- get to extra time. But no. Joe, so, they are so shit that it makes me so happy. Like, it doesn't matter what happens, you can always rely on Spurs being the joke. And, Spurs, I mean, yeah. what were they thinking? Like, they, they, I just, they're just so crap. The, the, the thing that, like, sums it up is the Leicester result. Leicester put four past them, for fuck's sake. I mean, we went to Leicester, and it was probably the easiest away game we've had in, well, years. That team, I know Madison was in, but that team scored four goals against Spurs. They had one shot against us from 25 yards. They are just, they're, they're just everyone's favourite neighbour, aren't they? They are just so shit. Even when we have our bad seasons, they'll finish like over the last couple of years. We've had a bad season, they'd, they'd finish a, a point above us, two points above us. This year, we're having a very good season. Were we like 20 points ahead of them or something ridiculous? They are just a shocking team. And I hate every single one of them. I hate their manager. I hate every player. I hate Harry Kane. And it's just so joyous to look at us flying high top of the table and then just to see them in complete abject misery. And it just warms my heart. All that, all that was wrong with the world is right again. All that was wrong with the world is right again, mate. Honestly, they went through. They've had Order has been golden... restored. Mate, they've had their golden era where they've won fuck all, they've done fuck all. They finished above us a few times. They got to a Champions League final and bottled it. Any semi-final, final, Kane's bottled it. They are the ultimate bottle jobs. They're shit. They're back in their box and it's, normality is resumed. Oh. And I'll tell you now, we'll see you in another 15 years. And the, the funniest thing about this season is that they've spent all that money. They've gone out, got a world-class manager, a world-class stadium, and they're still a bunch of wankers. 
That's but it. they've got a partnership with Formula One to celebrate. So no, no, no. <laughs> what they've true. done, no, what they've done, Joe, is they've taken the trophy room because they're never going to use it and turned it into a go go kart track. That's what it's they've a done. Scale electrics track in there instead. <laughs> Do you know what? The one of the, Gillian just reminded me in the chat. I hope it's Gillian, not Gillian or Gillian. <laughs> that line, yeah. Yeah. What success? That is the best clip. If anybody hasn't seen that, yeah. just Google Merson and Cold. what success is. Please put that on the uh, Latte Firm Twitter thing. Yeah, I will do, actually. Right, ladies and gents, there are 400 of you watching live right now. Really appreciate that. I haven't asked uh, for a like or a subscribe to the channel all throughout the show. So if you're still here, please do drop drop a like on the video. It helps the channel. It helps the video go up via the YouTube algorithms and gets noticed, which is great for the channel. We're on the road to 20,000 subscribers. And of course, do subscribe. That way you will never miss an alert. And you know you can do the old notify me and all that sort of jazz. We probably will be back for a look ahead to the Bournemouth game. We'll be definitely back on Saturday afternoon with a post-match phone-in on Twitter. Those, of course, available on Spotify, as are these shows. Um, thanks, uh, you chaps, for joining tonight. If anybody wants to follow Yem, he is at Verge59. Did you even eat your chocolate in the end, Yem? Didn't see you munching did. away, I, nibbling look, away. I can't. I was nibbling away. I, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm going to get through oh, yeah, it. Don't he worry. Has, he has been. He has been. Uh, was uh, Mr. You know, um, G and up the troops masterclass. Braveheart. Braveheart. <laughs> Braveheart. That's Literally, it. get the war paint on. Do you know what yeah, it was? I'm expecting on. this Saturday. You with some, you know, like war paint on, and I can't wait. You know, that's what mate. I'm these are. I'm telling you what. Saturday's the kind of game you need it because it's not going to be easy, and we've got a fucking. Come on. Yeah, exactly. We will be there. We will be outside the club shop, topless with a flame in his hand. When he just fucking... I bought, do you know what? I got a new jacket for this weekend. I bought the, I bought the, uh, you know, the new one, the French one, the, uh, oh, the retro, the blue. Yeah, oh, I bought it. I had to buy. I had nice. to, no, the, you know, the France one. You know, with the um, yeah, nice. It looks better. Adidas just stealing it's, all our money still. Honestly, that every time they're just taking my money. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody wants to follow uh, Joe, of course, he is at Joe HBFC. Uh, that's it, guys. Thank you so much. We'll be back at the weekend on the YouTube channel with a late night latte to look back at the weekend's action. Enjoy your tomorrow. It's a Friday. And of course, we are back in action on Saturday at the Emirates against Bournemouth. Manchester City played Newcastle United as the early kickoff. So who knows, eh? Who knows? Until then, bye for now.